just south of Los Angeles, California. This is the Veggie Power Podcast, exploring topics relating to working out, powerlifting, and everyday advice for lifting and living well. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Contorno. All right, let's veg out. All right, guys, you've made it. The Veggie Power Podcast, officially episode one. I've probably recorded this about seven times now, thinking that I was having all of these issues with my microphone, but really it was 100% user error. I never even plugged it in. So there's that. Your podcast host is a doctor, but definitely not technologically savvy of any sorts. So with that being said, I wanted to describe the reason why I created this podcast in the first place. I want to have some non-goal-oriented tasks. As a 30-year-old woman, yes, I'm fucking 30, I want some things to look forward to that are just more for creativity or passion or fun that don't necessarily have an achievement or a goal or an end date in mind, and this being one of them. So I do this thing called Talks and Walks on my Instagram, where when I walk my dogs two or three times a week, well, I walk my dogs every day, but two or three times a week as I'm walking my dogs, I pose a question either the night before or two days before, whatever it may be, just saying, what do you want to know? Sometimes I make it specific. Most of the time it's general. And you guys ask a lot of questions and I love it. I love sharing my knowledge. I love helping you all. And, you know, there's a lot of common themes that repeat in those questions. So I figured, and I've been asked to put it on some kind of format where the answers or the questions can be go, can be revisited. And I wanted to do it in this format. The most common theme of question that I get is people want to know things about me. Like, where am I from? What got me inspired to lift, to coach? How do I do A, B, C, and D? How do I live with bum muscle? So I figured I would make episode number one all about me. So that way you guys can know all about me, all three of you that are listening. I do want to state briefly the format of how the podcast is going to go in the future. Right now I'm committing to a monthly release Hopefully, I'll get better at doing all this technology and I can do bi-weekly. They're going to be about 45 minutes to an hour at max. And they're going to start off with some kind of current life event in my life, my world, my family. And then I will go on to some kind of hot topic, whether it's powerlifting or in the world. I hate the news, so it'll probably be powerlifting. And then I want to drop some knowledge bombs, and shed some kind of evidence-based research that I've been looking into that I can share to you in a digestible way that you will understand. And then I want to end with Q&A, my favorite. So I will pose before I do the episode some questions, whatever you guys want to know, or it may be focused on a topic for that podcast. I need to start by telling you guys where it all started, where I am from which is Northeast Ohio, the land, the CLE, the mistake on the lake, whatever you want to call it. 
27 years of my life, I lived in a suburb of Cleveland called Willoughby. I loved it there growing up. Um, Now that I reflect on it, it's quaint, it's cute, it's charming. There's so many things there that I never knew I would miss now that I live in L.A. Yes, I'm in L.A. I can talk forever about the contrasting experience I've had from being in L.A. to being in Ohio. But basically, I don't like the winter, and I wanted to move, and I did after 27 years. So starting with my childhood, I'm not going to get too in-depth, guys, so don't get too excited. But basically, I have an older brother. He's three and almost three years older than me. We, like normal brothers and sisters, hated each other until we were like fucking 14. And now we get along excellent. I love him. He is doing so well. He owns a car lot. He's really involved in his social circles and he leads groups and he coaches softball. And I'm just overall proud of him because honestly, he had some rough times. He is a recovering addict. I'm sure he won't mind if I talk about it because he's probably going to listen to this. But um, it got pretty fucking scary for a while and he lived with me for a while. That didn't work out too well. But now I think he's seven years clean and sober and he's doing fucking fantastic. So proud of him. Kudos to him. My only sibling. My mom and daddy-o separated when I was real young And my mom remarried to a lovely man named Michael Nista, who was my stepdad for like 18 years, 15 years, something like that. Not trying to bore you all with the details, but I will try to make it short and sweet. Growing up, I was always a little straight A student, little wonderful child. Not really. I really was a straight A student though. School came super fucking easy to me to the point where I really didn't have to try which was a good thing and a bad thing because I got involved with a lot of the wrong friends who led me in a lot of the wrong directions. And we just did like what normal little shithead child children do, you know, smoke weed, smoke cigarettes, drink, go out and tell your parents you're doing one thing, you're doing another thing. And I was like 13, 14 years old. Luckily, I don't know what got into me, but I deviated from those friends from middle school to high school um, because my life would probably be very different if I didn't. So although I was still involved in sports and things like that, I definitely could have headed down the wrong road, but did not. High school, again, super easy. I started working when I was like 14 years old at a coffee shop at the top of our street. I walked there and they made me the manager when I was like 15. So boss bitch from the start. I got my second job at another coffee shop at the mall. And then my third job, I worked at Charlotte Russe. I don't even know if that's a place anymore. But again, 17 years old, I was the youngest manager in the company. Basically just saying... (laughs) I really like to rise to the occasion when I'm presented with a challenge or when it comes to something in leadership. But working almost full-time while you're in high school is pretty challenging. Additionally, I kind of have always been in a relationship. I always was at that time. Like, high school boyfriend all through high school, then after high school boyfriend all through undergrad. But... When I was 18, 19, 
I wanted to move out. And in Northeast Ohio, I don't know if you're familiar with the housing market, but it was 2009, right after the crash, I bought my first house. When I tell people that in California, they're like, what? You've owned a home? I say, yeah, it's my first because I've owned two. Well, now three, but um, my first house was only, I think it was $97,000 for a three bedroom, two bathroom, two and a half car garage on like a quarter acre, which... In Southern California, that would buy you, like, a car or maybe a deposit on, like, a shitty condo in the desert. So life is very different here. But I bought my first house when I was 19 while working two jobs while going to undergraduate school. Um, I still managed to graduate with my bachelor's in three years because I was very determined to get that shit done. I had this six-year plan that I wanted to get my doctorate in six years, and that didn't happen. But while I was living in that house, my boyfriend and I at the time broke up. It was real ugly. I ended up selling the house, making a decent amount of money, which helped my financial situation. But then I moved back in with my mom temporarily until she decided to move to South Carolina, which she is still there now, happily. Um, So I got an apartment, still working full time. Then I didn't get into graduate school for three years in a row. Traditionally, to get your doctorate in physical therapy, it is about a seven-year process. You do your undergrad, four-year bachelor's degree, you don't get a master's, and then you go right to the doctoral program. But they make these fucking doctorate programs like a medical doctorate. Side note, if you don't know, there are three types of doctoral degrees. I didn't know this until I was about to graduate with my clinical doctorate. A clinical doctorate is where you get a clinical hour requirement where you do clinical observation, clinical practice hours, and you can practice clinical medicine. You cannot write prescriptions. You can perform clinical procedures. A medical doctorate requires a medical residency, which just about everybody knows what that is. They get the prescription pad. They can do surgical procedures, all of that stuff. And then a PhD, which is basically a master of knowledge in one area where you have a thesis and or dissertation in that area. So if you didn't know, now you know. But I had a 3.8 GPA and I still didn't get into the program because they make it so fucking hard. I don't know why because people think I'm a goddamn massage therapist anyways. So, three years later, I get in. I almost gave up. I remember, like it was 9-11, Lindsay Moore was with me. We were working at the salon, and I got the email saying I got in, and I fell to the floor like an evangelicus just touched my forehead. I don't know. It was fucking nuts, and I cried, and I'll never forget that moment in time. And then... I went through graduate school, still worked. I bartended all through grad school, which was the only thing that was worth my time and money. I was thinking about escorting or stripping, but bartending was a little bit easier. And then I made it. I graduated. Dr. Ashley Contorno. But during that time, in grad school, I bought my second house with my first husband. Yes, I say first husband because now I have another one because that marriage was a sham. So, ladies and gents, just because you're with someone for a certain amount of time 
does not mean that you're meant to be together. Society puts this huge pressure on us where A plus B equals C. Like, you've been with someone for five years, so that means it's time to get married. Well, guess what? I should have never married that motherfucker. He was an all right dude, but he, like, was super fucking boring. We really had nothing in common, and I don't really think he even liked me. And honestly, I don't really think I even liked him. I don't know what it was. Maybe the banging was good. For a little bit, at least. But anywho, long story short with that, that ended. But the biggest thing that came out of that mistake was the best thing that ever happened in my life. I decided that I was living my life for other people, whether it's validating their opinions, validating the input that they were giving me, or what someone else thinks I should be doing. And I really really did a lot of self-reflection and I evaluated who I am and who I want to be and it was nothing of the life that I was living and I said all right Ashley it's time you need to make decisions to live your best life because this is the only one you get I see too many people who are in their 50s and their 60s and they're like if I would have just done this when I was your age look where I would be now or I wish I would have got a divorce from your father 20 years ago or just people who are so unhappy and wishing that they would have got that time back. I don't want to be that person. I never wanted to be that person. So I made the decision that I said, I'm going to fuck this. I want to travel. I want to do things. This isn't for me. This people in the Midwest idea of perfection is to grow up, get married, have kids. And then watch your kids grow up and get married and have more kids and maybe get like a jet ski. Not for me or a snowmobile. Those are cool. But I decided that was not my idea of success at all. So once I graduated, finally, nine fucking years and $200,000 later, with my doctorate, I decided I was going to be a travel physical therapist. For those of you who don't know what that is, that is just like travel nursing where you take contracts for typically three months at a time and you work at a certain location and then you are let go. You get paid a premium by both the government and the facility that you're at to be there. Typically it's because someone's out on a medical leave or pregnancy or it's like their busy season and they need you. The good and the bad thing about it is You're the most expensive person in the room, so if they need to let anybody go, it's you. And also, if the person who is hurt or maybe they are short-staffed and they hire someone comes back on or a new person, then you're gone. But the pay is basically about double what you would make anywhere else. So I started in Arizona with some of my friends that I graduated with, Sarah and Carrie. What's up, if you're listening? And it was awesome. Um... All I said for my first assignment is I want to be in Arizona and I want to be in acute care. And I got put in Bullhead City, which is something I called Bullshit City for quite a while. It's where Arizona, Nevada, and California all meet. It's by Laughlin. It's like an hour and a half away from Vegas. But there's nothing to do in Bullhead. So all we did every weekend basically is go to Vegas Or we traveled to different parts of Arizona. It was so much fun. I felt like I was on a constant vacation for a very long time. And 
we just did so many amazing things, and I have so many amazing memories from that part in time in my life. Vegas. Yes. That is where I met my second husband, the love of my life, Mr. Steven, a.k.a. Bum Muscle. Should I get into that story now? Yes. So at the end of my Bullhead City stint, I arranged a trip with one of my Ohio friends, and I actually at that time had already moved to Phoenix, Arizona, and I was like kind of burnt out on Vegas, and I was like, I don't really want to go, but she already bought her ticket, so I had to go, and I did, and I got off the plane, and I booked my Airbnb as I was literally walking off of the jetway. I am a type A planner extraordinaire, if you know me. So to go to Las Vegas without a plan was really out of my character. So I booked this like instant book studio apartment that was owned by some dude, which is weird again, but I just had a good feeling about it. So the dude instructs me that there's like a key hidden in this bush, whatever. I get the key. He is actually at work. He is a pool dude at daylight. So... I go to sleep. My friend was arriving the next day. She already had a hotel for us. So I only needed that Airbnb for the night. Well, the dude comes home from work at like six in the morning, which is when I'm waking up because I'm an early riser. And I'm like, what's up, guy? And he like has this really cool accent. And if you know anything about me, you know I love accents. So I'm like, let's talk for 20 minutes because you are cool. But it turns out he had like two master's degrees and he was world traveled. And we like sat and had coffee and we chatted and he was so cool. And then he's like, oh, do uh, you and your friend today uh, would like to go to the pool party at daylight because I can get you uh, both the VIP. That's my impression of him. And I was like, fuck yeah, we want to go. So when my friend Amy came, we got all ready and we went to daylight. So once we were at daylight, um, my friend Amy and I, we drank copious amounts of drinks as you do when in Vegas. And we were just chilling by the pool, and this dude walks up to me, and he's like, hey, you're pretty buff. My friend, he's pretty buff. You guys should go hang out. And then I look over, and I see Steven, and I'm like, you're right. We should. So Steven was sitting at the edge of the pool, feet dangled in, kind of like King Tut style, getting his hair braided by a very large black woman and I thought that was his girlfriend, and she was cornrowing him up, and I was like, all right. So him and I just started talking, and then she kind of fucked off and got the point. And that conversation went on for hours and hours, and who knows? It was drunk time, so it could have been like 30 minutes, but in my mind, it was hours. And all of a sudden, like these whistles are blowing, and we look around, and we're literally the only people in the pool. They had evacuated the pool because somebody threw up, but we were so enthralled in our conversation. But as Steven says, it was just me talking and him going, mm-hmm, 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 um, that we didn't even notice that they were evacuating the pool. So we get out, and then we all decide that we, by us all, Steven and I, and then my friend Amy, and the dude that she was kind of talking to, who was Steven's friend, to go back to Amy's hotel. So once at the hotel was both of our room. We had two beds. While Amy and dude were really intimately getting to know each other, Stephen and I were trying to conversate. Well, at least I was. And I was like, you ain't getting no dicking. 
you got to get to know me, boo bear. And maybe 30, 40 minutes in, he finally got a little frustrated. I finally got a little frustrated because he realized he wasn't getting any. So I kicked him out. I told him, have a nice life. It was nice to meet you. See you never. And then he left. And I did give him my number before he left. And I think I deleted his number and forgot about him because your girl stalked him on Facebook and found out he had a girlfriend. Ouch. Burn. So I was like, fuck that dude. Good thing I only made out with him. He was insistent on a handy and... That ain't how I roll, y'all. So maybe like three or four days after Vegas, I get a text from him saying, hey, would it be okay if I called you? And I was like, I guess. Who is this? What? Turns out he went to the AT&T store, had them dump his phone because he deleted my phone number or I made him delete it, whatever. Um, Got all of his contacts, found my number, called me, but... What happened when he got home is he actually broke up with his girlfriend immediately. They were serious. They were dating for a while, but he realized after meeting me that there was something else that he was missing in this life. And by making safe decisions and playing along the life story that he had set up for himself, he wasn't going to have what he wanted, which is kind of what happened to me when I got my divorce. So we were... We had our phone call, and then we texted for a few weeks, and then I finally let him come visit me in Phoenix. He is born and raised in southern Los Angeles, so he came from there. I got a hotel room just in case he was a creeper, or if I wasn't feeling it, I was going to make him stay there for the weekend, but we ended up staying there together. Long story short, he finally got it in, whatever, but by the end of that weekend, we were officially boyfriend and girlfriend, and basically... I mean, now you know where we're at, but for like four months, we were long distance. One of us would fly to see each other every single weekend. It was like 50 bucks on Spirit at that time to go from LAX to Phoenix, and it was really cool. And then my contract got cut early, which can happen in travel therapy. And I was planning, I was already getting my license for California before I even met Steven because I was planning on going to San Francisco. Well, I didn't want to go to San Francisco in November because it's fucking cold. So I came to Southern Los Angeles and I was like, I'm going to stay with you. We've only been dating like five months. Let's just kind of like feel this out. I'm going to do travel. I'm going to still be free, whatever. My long and short game with travel is I wanted to experience all the different settings of physical therapy until I found the one that I really wanted. And I ended up doing a couple assignments here that were all pretty terrible, more so because of the traffic. So I had no idea what traffic really was until I moved to LA, and I don't even want to talk about it because it gives me anxiety just thinking about it. But I found Providence, which is a big hospital system in this area. I ended up working there. I worked in neuro. I got a real full-time job. Um, I worked with traumatic brain injuries, spinal cord injuries, um, all that fun stuff for about a year and a half, and I loved it. I still love the people and the family that I... So that brings me into our next topic of the gym, because now I don't work at Providence, and it's because of the gym. But... I am a power lifter and Steven is a bodybuilder. And in Los Angeles, with the complex role of traffic, 
it is hard to fucking get anywhere. And gyms around here suck. There's like some really cool iconic gyms that I always wanted to go to when I didn't live here, like Zoo Culture and Barbell Brigade. And then you actually go to those places in real life and you're like, oh my God, these are just YouTube studios and nobody's actually lifting weights. Maybe here or there. But for the most part, it's like people just recording for Instagram, YouTube, so that people like me can be like, oh, that place is so cool. But in reality, ain't nobody really working hard. And then there's other gyms that have powerlifting equipment, but they're like, mm-mm, you ain't a part of our powerlifting crew, so you can't use this unless you join our team and come between 6 and 9 p.m., Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And it's like, fuck all that. So we were going to different gyms, like one gym that I could bench at, one gym that we could deadlift at, and it was more catered to me and what I was doing because bodybuilding you can do anywhere. Powerlifting is a little more specific. And since I train with conjugate style training, it's a little more advanced with bands and chains and all this. I literally had a suitcase that I would lug my chains into when I was going to the gym to do chain day. And we bought a safety squat bar and we were just accumulating all these things and driving to all these places. And it was getting ridiculous. And Steven, honestly, probably from like six months into me living here was like, we should just open a gym. There's a need. We should just open a gym. So he's the idea man, just barking this idea in my head. And I was so resistant to it. I'm like, oh my God, how could we ever open a gym? Like, are you crazy? And then it really just started taking a toll on us. Like it was, we were driving like 45 minutes to an hour to get to the gym after working all day, working out for like two to three hours and then 25, 30 minutes home, depending on traffic. And our poor doggies, man, it's not fair to them. So we got married in Jamaica and had our honeymoon in Cuba on the 31st, 2017. And the 31st of December, so New Year's Eve. And then when we came back, I was like, all right, let's do this gym thing. We have to. We were supposed to go on a vacation to Greece that March, and we exited the trip, and I stayed home and just jammed. Like, paperwork, research, everything, building, equipment, all that shit. Did it all in two fucking weeks. We were open by May. It was pretty crazy how quickly the plan and just everything came together. And we had so many thoughts and ideas of what we wanted the basis of our gym to be, but the overarching theme was that no fucking bullshit, crush it. That is our motto. Just come in, fucking lift weights, and if you have a problem with that, you can get the fuck out. We don't treat anybody differently. How many followers you have or how strong you are or how lack of strength you have, like everybody is there to do the same thing and it's to lift weights and have a good time. And if you have any kind of problem with that, if you think you're too good or too hardcore, too softcore, or too much clout or what the fuck ever, you can get the fuck out. And we've held true to that since we've been open. And the gym isn't really ours. It's everybody that comes and they're the ones that create the culture that are there and we fucking love it. And it's awesome. And I just can't wait to make it bigger when that time. So I wanted to address uh, one of the biggest questions I get, which is how did you get into weightlifting or powerlifting or all of that jazz? Basically, there's not an amazing story. Like I don't have this heroic woman feels weak and needs to get strong kind of beginning. It's more like I've always been into weightlifting. I remember in high school, I could like outbench the dudes bench queen forever. 
And just ever since then, I was a cheerleader. I was in track in high school. In college, I only played like intramural soccer. <laughs> That's about it. But I've always been into weightlifting. Like ever since high school, literally, I've been in a gym in some form. But with that being said, I always need a goal. So that's why I'm doing this non-goal-oriented thing with the podcast. But as far as the gym goes, if I don't have a goal or something that's like relatively short-term to be motivated by, I don't really give a fuck. And that's just something that I know about myself. So I'm always setting some kind of goal that's fitness-related. It started with bodybuilding, and I was a mediocre bodybuilder at best. And I did that for about four years, and then I was in a cycling for a little bit, and then I did one powerlifting workout with a friend, and three weeks later, I did my first meet. Yes. Three weeks after my first powerlifting bench session, I competed in the USAPL. So I'm going to gloss over all of this because I feel like in future episodes, I will talk a little bit more, but bodybuilding wasn't good for me because I had an eating disorder. I am in recovery from bulimia, and I feel like I could do a whole podcast about that. But bodybuilding definitely was toxic for that disease that I had. Actually, now at this point in my life, I've been seeing an eating disorder specialist to sort through all of those feelings that I never did at that time. I've been free and in recovery for a while, but I know that sport just isn't good for me. But with powerlifting... Someone asked, what was your first number? What was your first powerlifting experience like? Well, I've told this story a lot, but I squatted and benched the same. 176 pounds. I had the biggest bench there and probably the smallest squat. Um, But I missed all the commands for my squats and I only got my opener, which is hilarious because I'd only been doing it for three weeks. Of course, I didn't know what I was doing. And I deadlifted 303. So it wasn't a bad experience, but I tell my lifters this, like, if you want to compete, just fucking compete. Just anyone in general. Like, there's no use in waiting in the gym until you get your certain XYZ numbers, and then you'll step on the platform because you want to be competitive. Well, guess what? All the dreams and hopes of what you thought you were going to do when you go to your first competition aren't going to happen. Sorry. I've never met anyone that was like, oh my God, I had my first meet. I went nine for nine and I hit all of these big numbers and these big goals that I've been wanting. No, you fuck up. You miss shit. Things happen. Technical errors. You're nervous. You piss your pants. You shit your pants. I've seen it all. And guess what? That's okay. So my PSA is just fucking compete. You can't call yourself a powerlifter if you've never done a powerlifting competition. So I wanted to do just that. I wanted to get numbers on the board so I knew what it was like, some beta knowledge, so that I could do it better next time. I did that when I was getting into grad school. I took the GRE, which I don't even know if they still do that, but I took it once without even studying or knowing what the test was about just to see what it was so then I could study better for the second time. It's a good tactic, but it can be expensive for depending on what you're doing in your life. So moving from there, my first competition, I want to say, was in 2014 or 2015. Fast forward to 2019, I am about to do Boss of Bosses in one week, or no, four days. Oh, my God. Um, 
So back then, my first meet, my numbers were pretty pitiful. And now I'm like looking at, I hold some state records for California. I'm looking at some world records. So progress and sticking with your goals can really, really make a difference. And you don't have to be the best to want to do something. And just doing something because you want to do it is definitely a good reason enough. So without boring you all, I think that's where I'm going to end. Some other things that I want to talk about are me being a vegetarian, um, my eating disorder, and maybe I will pose a Q&A for other things you guys want to know. I did get some questions specifically for this first podcast, and I do want to answer them now. So someone asked, what is my hobbies outside of physical therapy or powerlifting? Um, Well, you're listening to it now. Um, I want to make this a hobby of mine. I love going outdoors, and I love going hiking, and I love taking my doggies for walks. So those are some of my hobbies. Not too many at this point in time in my life. My powerlifting inspiration I draw my powerlifting inspiration right now at the level of competitiveness that I'm at. I stalk my competition because there's not many women that are in the same weight class of me that can lift as much as I can. So I just like go on Instagram and I just watch all their videos and try to make sure I'm stronger than all of them, which is always fun. But in general, I would say that I really love watching competitions, like going and watching athletes, like really get it. Like every time I'm at a meet, I'm like, Oh my God, I can't wait to compete. So just being immersed in the environment really inspires me more than like one specific person. Do I have family support? Well, that's an interesting question. And it can also be its own podcast. Um, my brother who I talked about originally, he still lives in Northeast Ohio. My dad lives in Florida and my mom lives in South Carolina. So they're kind of all over the place. Our family is not that close, which sucks, but it is what it is. I honestly have been like just doing my shit on my own since I was 19 and I've become fiercely independent because of it. So I wouldn't say the family network is close. Steven and I, Steven has a very similar relationship with his family and we want more than anything for our kids to have that relationship with us where they can come to us if they need us. And, you know, like a lot of people who are in their late twenties or thirties, they still fuck up and they have the opportunity to go to their parents and be like, Hey, I need some help or I need some support. And that's just really not something that we've ever had. And it's okay, but we know how different we want our children's lives to be. So it's been a good and bad reflection for us. And last question, why did I choose a podcast versus YouTube versus any other platform? Well, truth be told, I fucking suck at editing. I've said like seven times, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do a YouTube video next week, you guys. What do you want to see? Oh, yeah, I'm going to totally YouTube that. No. (laughs) I'm just, obviously, I don't even know how to plug in the microphone. If you haven't noticed, there's several different audio levels throughout this podcast, and it's because 30% of the time... I like listen to myself talking and then I unplug the microphone to listen and then I forgot to plug it back in. So hopefully the next couple episodes will be better, but um, I'm good at speaking and I've barely had to edit this at all. So jabbering my jaw, some I'm good at editing video content. 
Not so much. So if someone wants to collaborate on that, please DM me. Veggie underscore lifter. But that's where I'm going to end. I don't even know how long this is. I got to figure that out. And I appreciate maybe the fourth person that's tuned in to listen to this podcast. Many, many, many more to come. Thank you all. Bye-bye.